You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, it is a beautiful morning. I do want to thank all the guys who came out to help last uh, yesterday on the roof. And uh, we got a lot of work done. And, and we are in the process of repairing that roof that has been in, in, in great need uh, for a long time. And we, we own the building across the street, which is used for our children's church and our youth group and our offices. And uh, so you guys know that um, part of your giving goes toward that, to keeping the lights on in two buildings, to doing that. So I thank you guys for that. Um, it's not wasted money. It's, it's useful money. And so we've needed to repair that roof for a long time. So I, I'm very thankful. We'll see what, what happens. Um, hopefully that's a solid fix. And uh, we'll... we'll uh, just keep working on it until it gets fixed, okay? All right, so today we've been talking about, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the, um, the full armor of God. And we're going to take, um, I'm going to do kind of an abstract uh, teaching, okay? And that's why I have the whiteboard out because as a masterful artist, I'm going to explain this to you via the whiteboard. Uh, no, I'm not a masterful artist if you're new here. I'm terrible, okay? So you're probably not going to understand what I write. Uh, but it's helpful for me, all right? Uh, what I'm going to talk to you guys about today are the three pillars of Christian growth. And this is not a complicated message, and I'm going to start with pillar one. Next week, we'll talk about pillar two, and then the following Sunday, we'll talk about pillar three. But these are things that we need to understand, things that the Lord's given us um, that help us to grow. And so I want to talk about these, and some of these, you guys are going to go, yeah, I know this, I know this. But it's important for us to be reminded. As a matter of fact, uh, the author of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 6 that there's certain things that we have to move on from. There's certain teachings, certain things, and he lists several things that, that we, should, we should have in our understanding. And he's not saying that in the sense of, hey, get, get the basics underneath of you as much as he's saying, listen, in order to grow, you have to have a healthy foundation, and sometimes it's important, those of you that, that have lived in your house long enough and have seen your foundation move, you understand how critical your foundation is. And God forbid you've ever been in a situation in your, in your home where you've needed to repair or you know, your foundation, but it's a, it's a massive undertaking. And you would think that something you can't see wouldn't be that significant, but we all know how important a foundation is to a physical building, and it's that much more important in our spiritual life. And sometimes we need to go back and understand just the simple pillars that hold us up to be true and to take a wee bit of an inventory in our life to say, hey, are we on track? Is our foundation good still? Do we need a little bit of repair? And so what I want to do is it's not complicated I do not believe that our walk of faith and our journey with God and our progression with Christ is, should be complicated. It should be simple. I think God designed it that way. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take two very familiar scriptures. And these scriptures are ones that, that we look at when we, when we talk about what's the most important thing in our life. Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew 22, verse 37. He's asked by a group of Pharisees, hey, what is the most important law out of all the law of Moses? Now, a little bit of background setting, because when I tell you this scripture, some of you might be able to recite it. But here's the thing. Is that these, 
These, these teachers of the law here were trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to get Jesus to, uh, to get trapped here. But what Jesus responds to is the, is the simplicity and the perfection of what it means to follow God. And one that we need to really listen to here. And allow to, the Holy Spirit to just check and make inventory in our life. And so in Matthew 27, or 22, verse 37, Jesus responds to these teachers and says, Here, here's the answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Very simple. Three things. Three pillars. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But what Jesus was saying there wasn't uh, original. He was quoting from the Old Testament. He was actually quoting from the words uh, that God spoke to Moses in Deuteronomy 6.5. When God spoke this to Moses and he said, listen, this is how you honor me. And he, God said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these two scriptures match up perfectly. Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament, or what we call the Old Testament. And the reason why that's significant is very important is because God's never changed. He didn't get simpler or he wasn't more complicated in the Old Testament, but he's always been the same. He's always been consistent. And it's shown through Jesus. And so when Jesus says this, I believe personally that there are three pillars of the Christian life that we need to have in our life as a foundation. And so today I want to talk to you about the first pillar. And it is the pillar of commitment. Commitment. You know my biggest fear when I'm up here writing on the whiteboard? Is that I misspell something. I know how many teachers I've got out here that are going, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Bad move, right? So if I misspell something, it's because it's shorthand. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me explain to you these three pillars. All right, we're going we're to have a little bit of fun today. I don't want this to be heavy. I want this to be truth. I want it to be powerful. I want it to be transformational. But I also want it to be filled with the grace and the joy of Jesus. Okay? So, so here we go. These three pillars, when, when, when Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 6.5, here's what he's saying. He's saying there's three areas of your life that have to be really lined up in order for you to grow in, in your Christian life. And it's your heart, your soul, and your mind or your strength, okay? And each one of these have a significant focus. And what the heart speaks to is an area of commitment. An area of commitment, and it's the foundational, the first step. What the soul speaks to, and what the soul, I'm sorry, always speaks to in the New Testament or in the Greek language is the, the seat of your affections, your feelings, your desires, your aversions. Now, this is what I love about God, who God is. And this is why it's, it's one powerful reason why we should really pay attention to the word and, and, and seek to grow in our relationship with the Lord. It's because God cares about every area of who you are. He understands that sometimes there have been experiences in your life and there have been these, these things that have happened that have created um, a pattern in your life. And it revolves around the way you see things in this world how you feel about things, how you react, what you like, what you dislike. You know, most of the foods that I like, I like because I grew up eating them, right? Simple. Some of the things that I'm afraid of in my life, that I'm afraid of because they were 
many little traumatic events that happened to me when I was a kid. I'll tell you one if you want to know. My dad was in the military. He was always gone. I was the youngest of three kids. I got dropped off at soccer practice, and my mom was always the very last person to pick me up. And in, as a little boy, when I was like six, seven, playing soccer, getting dropped off, it was the 80s. Parents didn't care about kids back then, okay? Um, some of you are laughing, but you understand. You're like, you're right. Shh, don't, don't. Mm-mm. We didn't have them rules. <laughs> yeah. Seat belts, <laughs> what were they? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and what happened was this, is that I, I had this fear of being left. I had this, oh, man, I would, I would be afraid. And so I started figuring out things in my own strength. I've talked to the church about this before. And I did this. And that became something that I filtered all of my life through until the Lord began to heal me from it. And so what I'm saying is this, is that we're going to talk about commitment today. But next week, we're going to talk about the area of our soul and how God deals with that and how that pillar has to be strong. But Jesus provided a way. And I'm telling you, it is amazing freedom. It's amazing freedom. And then the third area where the mind and the strength come in is this, and this is such a powerful thing, is that God has created a pathway of fulfillment for you that is seen by what you do. It doesn't, what you do doesn't bring you into salvation. You're saved by faith alone, by grace alone, by faith. But there is a fulfillment that comes in your life when you match up three things relatable to your strength and to your mind. When you match up the gift of God in your life, when you match up a commitment of your time and you make him first and you match up a commitment of your resources, when you line those three things up, I promise you, I promise you, I'll bet you guys anything you want to bet, you will find the greatest fulfillment in your life. I promise you. And there are three pillars that he's given us. So today we're going to talk about commitment, all right? And there's just a couple of simple things I want to, I want to hit on. The first place of commitment is lordship. Lordship. Now we go, duh. But let me explain to you what lordship is by just a few passages here I want to read to you. And some of these are a little scary, okay? So I'm going to explain them and I'm going to, we're going to talk through them so we get context. The first one comes from the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20. And he says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, who loved me and gave himself for me. What's the definition of lordship? And here we see one definition or partial definition of lordship, and it's this. I no longer live live. I no longer live. Now let me give you a little bit of context on this particular passage. Paul is actually referencing a conversation that he had with the Apostle Peter in a place called Antioch. And in this particular conversation, when Paul goes and visits Peter in Antioch, what he's finding is this, is that even after Peter's encounter with Cornelius, who was a Gentile, Peter is still treating the Gentiles, like they're not fully welcomed members of the faith. He's treating those Jews who came into Christianity with special preference. And when Paul goes up there, he sees it and he confronts Peter and he says, what are you doing, Peter? You can't do this. 
that there is not any division in faith, that we all are welcomed in through Jesus Christ, and that we don't do it by the works of our, of our strength or the works of the law, but he, he finishes, he bookends this conversation with this passage that we just read that, that speaks of the, the power of lordship and where we need to check our foundation of commitment in this first pillar at. And he says this, I no longer live. If anybody had a right, I don't want to get too nerdy on you, but if anybody had a right to go and say that Gentiles did not belong in the faith, it would have been Paul. Because Paul was a zealous Jew. But Paul came to this revelation, and the revelation of the Lordship brought him to this statement, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And the first criteria to lordship is this. If you're in control of your life, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Smile. Give me that fake, uneasy smile. If you're calling the shots on your life, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Just, I know that's not complicated, but it's powerful. If you can say that the things that I desire that don't have, line up with an eternal perspective or they don't line up with what the word says or they don't line up with love, the love of Christ. If, if those things guide me more than the truth of what the love of God says, the word of God says and who Jesus is and my surrender to him, then Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Church, there has to be a place when we're checking the foundation of our life that we get to this understanding that, like Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Last week I made a statement, and I'm shocked how many people understood this statement and resonated with them. I got a lot of feedback from it. But I was talking about the breastplate of righteousness, and I said, I said I had a conversation with the Lord where I got into a fight with one of my family members because they're wrong all the time. But in this case, I know I joke, I was really right. I was really right. Guys, I was right. I would love to tell you this in my flesh and explain this to you because you guys could, we could take a vote and you'd be like, you were right, Pastor. You were right. But I knew me being right meant offending and breaking the covenant of love that I have with my family. And in a moment of thank you, Jesus, where I heard the Lord, God said, Andy, you can be right or you can be righteous. What do you want to be? Because righteousness looks like the lordship of Jesus in our life. Being right means that I get to be vindicated in my own feelings. And what Paul was saying to Peter is this, is that Peter, you better let go of your feelings, bud. Because there's no room in this faith that we carry through Jesus Christ for us to put our feelings because we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live. All right, now let, let me read a, a tougher one. <laughs> I, guys, come on. I, I mean, have fun. Smile a little bit. We're talking about tough stuff. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. This is what Jesus said. Oh, Jesus, why? Why is this even in the Bible? It stinks. All right. This is what he said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, 
But only the, oh, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day. That's the day of judgment where you stand before the Lord. Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name? And, and in your name drive out demons in all of your name. Perform many miracles. And then I'll say, tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Oh. That's not in the message translation. <laughs> Just, <laughs> y'all gotta, y'all seriously lighten up. Oh my goodness. That's heavy even on a good day. And Jesus said it. The guy we think is normally really happy and filled with love. He just dropped a big old fat bomb on our head and was like, deal with it. Now let me tell you what this means and throw it in a little bit of context because this absolutely applies to lordship. And there's something in there, tucked in there, that we get afraid because we see this the wrong way that we miss. And this is what Jesus said as he talks about partiality. He says, but only the one who does the will of my father. How do you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Smile when you do what Jesus says to do. I hate talking about this stuff. I'm being honest. But I'm telling you, if our foundation is banged up and crooked and messed up, then we will not grow. We will not grow. When we do what Jesus tells us to do. When we do what Jesus tells us to do. So what does lordship mean? It means that our life is not our own anymore and we're doing what God is asking us to do. Can I tell you something? There's something else that Jesus said about that. There's a lot that Jesus said about it, but one thing I want to talk about in that, because I know that when we, we hear that, sometimes we have a little bit of adverse reaction to that. I know I did. I'll just speak about me. But there's another scripture that tells us that when Jesus says, listen, when you do what I say, you take my yoke upon me and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what I found is this, is that, that this place of lordship protects me and brings me joy and brings me happiness more than anything else. That when I say, God, listen, I, what I realize is that I'm no good at controlling my life. What I've done, what Andy has done, when I've been in the pilot seat, I've, I've broken relationships, I've, I've damaged my future I, I, I believe things about myself that aren't true, that I've controlled myself, I've made my will known, I've lived out my plan and my agenda, and I have simply made a mess of it. And so when I let you control it, what I found is that you lead me into places of life. You, you cause me to go up against living water. You bring me into places of future and hope. And God, it is not a burden to do what you asked me to do. As a matter of fact, when I trust the one who formed me, who created me, and I serve the purpose of the creator, it brings me joy and fulfillment in life. It's not a burden. It's a joy. And it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. All right. Let's keep going. All right. The next, the next thing in commitment is that we have, a, have to have a commitment to faith. So the first thing that we need to do is we have to ask the Holy Spirit. And it's okay. It's okay. This morning, if some of you go, look, I, I, I don't know that Jesus is really the Lord of my life. It's okay. It can happen like you can, you can change the, the direction instantly. We just need to stop. We need to say, God, I'm putting you first. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm not in control. I'm not in the pilot seat anymore. 
What time is it? Okay. I'm going to say one more thing about lordship. When I was in Romania, I told some of you guys this conversation. I didn't tell all of you this conversation, but uh, the guy who, um, I told parts of this, I know, to the church. The Dutch guy who started this ministry uh, 15 to 18 years ago, it's been a long time. He, when he came, he came with his, his family, nothing. Nobody came to, with, to help him. And he got there, and he went into the gypsy community, and he got beat up, physically beat up. And he went in for a whole week, and he got physically beat up for a whole week. He let them beat him up. Because he understood that in order to get into this community, he, he was going to get beat up. That's not my method. I'll be real honest with you. You know? <laughs> this is how I fight my battles. <laughs> I'm not, that's not important. That, that, that part of the story just tells you that it, it reinforces what I'm about to say. And he hit a place of extreme discouragement, and he was in his car, and he was crying to the Lord. He said, God, I can't do this. Nothing's happening. I, I can't. This is, this is dumb. He said, four guys already tried to get into this community, and all four failed. He would have been the fifth one. And the Lord spoke to him these things. His name's Ronald. He said, Ronald, do you want your life back? If you want it back, I'll give it to you. He said, No. No, Lord. And he looked at him and he said, then guess what? You're not responsible for the fruit I am. All I'm asking you to do is to love these people. He said, Lord, I don't want my life back. I don't want my life back. And I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not advocating for you to go get beat up to do what God's telling you to do. Some of you feel like you're getting beat up anyways. But I want to tell you, that's a pure statement of lordship. And God is not going to wrestle with you for your life. If you want it, you can have it. But I promise you, if you take it back, if you try to control it, and there's not partial ownership, man, I, I, am, I am so sorry. I feel like I am Debbie Downer today. But this is what the word of God says. And if any other preacher tells you different, they're just not preaching from the Bible. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I, listen, I'm just, I'm just saying this is the truth. There's not partial ownership of your life. It's either Jesus is Lord or your Lord. And God's not going to strike you dead if you want to be the Lord of your life. But I promise you that if you're the Lord of your life, you will not run it as well and bring the level of joy and fulfillment that God will. Okay, faith. Let's go to faith. It's much easier. <laughs> uh, okay, and what faith is is obedience to the word. All right, obedience to the word. This is what faith is. All right, and we have to have a commitment to to the word of God. All right, another another uh, light saying that Jesus gave us in Luke six forty six to forty nine. He says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. And do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show them what they are like. They are like the man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. But when a flood came and the torrent struck, and the house could not shake, the house, but the house could not shake it because it was well built. 
But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like the man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is what I would say to you, is that you can't walk by faith without Jesus being the Lord of your life. But when we walk by faith, this is the definition of what faith is. Is hearing the word of God. Allowing the living word of God to speak in us and being obedient to it. Doing what it says. Listen to what Jesus said here in this, this mini parable. He said, listen, the people who built on a, on a, on a terrible foundation are those who, who, who heard the word, but they... They did not do what I said to do. In 1 John 2, 5, it says this, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is what faith is. Is that when we take and we begin to do what Jesus said to do. That we take a step of obedience. And this isn't just in the area of things that we do. Like things that we build. But this is in the area of sometimes the place of our soul. Where we, God is asking us to forgive, to release, to let go. That we take the word and we stand on the word. Sometimes this is in the area of what we believe to be true about ourselves. That we don't believe that we're worthy or we're good. And, and God asks us to adhere to the word of God. And listen to the word of God and obey it as truth in our life. This applies to every area of our life. And, and this is what we need to understand is that the place of faith is us hearing the word and then listening, obeying to the word. And we have to make a commitment to that. We have to make a commitment to that. The word of God is not subjective truth. It is absolute truth. It is not subjective upon how you feel. You're not allowed to manipulate the word of God into, into what you want it to be and how you want it to, to fit around your life. What the word of God, the purpose of the word of God is to come in, is to quicken us, to cut away the spirit from the flesh or the flesh from the spirit. It's to build us up. It's to bring us into the place where we look more and more like Jesus. But we reflect this truth. How does faith come? We know this in Romans 10, 17. It says this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what does this mean? That if we're going to grow in faith and make a commitment to faith, not only do we have to do what God says to do, but we've got to hear what God is saying. That we've got to be in the word and we've got to love the word. And, and, and listen, as far as this goes into this pillar of commitment and taking inventory of the foundation of our life, one of the practical ways that we can assess this is just by simply taking an inventory and say, what are we listening to? And this is not me saying stop watching movies and listening to, to 92.5 The Oldies because I love 92.5 and God would never ask me to give that up. All right. This is what I'm saying is that so for some of you, you're listening to the stuff and the junk in your head. Oh, it's time to turn it off. And you got to start listening to the message of faith. And the message of faith comes through the word of God. 
And whether that word comes through the Bible, it comes through a message, or it comes through a book, if it is lining up with the word of God, feed yourself on it. If faith comes by hearing, then hear the word of God. Now, now, now I want to, okay. No, no, no. All right, let's keep going. All right, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. What's the purpose of faith? Okay, listen, if, if faith is doing what God says and faith comes by hearing God, by hearing the word of God, then the purpose of faith is to direct us in our life is that God is leading us into a life. He's, he's Jeremiah 29, 11 in us. He's leading us into a future and a hope. And believe it or not, listen, believe it or not, and this is why your, your foundation is so important. This pillar of commitment is so important in faith because some of you are going through what you feel like is hell right now. And you say, well, this doesn't make sense because this doesn't line up with what I believe to be true about God. I'm not supposed to have this happen in my life. And I want to tell you two truths. One is this, is that God is not the author of your hell. One, very important, right? Because it speaks to the truth of who God is. But when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, what you're saying is that, hey, I'm not responsible for piloting out of this. What I have to do is I have to feed myself on faith. I have to make a commitment to faith. Not to what is going on around me, what's raging on around me. Wasn't that the most frustrating thing that happened in the boat when the disciples were freaking out about the storm and Jesus was sleeping? Now, come on. Would you have wanted to kick Jesus? I mean, had he not, like, raised somebody from the dead and healed a blind man, you probably, I know one of them was going, mm, let me just kick him. Because it's irritating, isn't it? When one person's calling, everybody else is freaking out. Just become popular and freak out with everybody else, Jesus. And Jesus is sleeping. It's just sleeping. And isn't that frustrating? But it's a definition of faith for us because a lot of times what we choose to see defines where we go. And this is why Romans 10 tells us this, and it's so significant. Because if faith comes by hearing, and the purpose of faith is to lead us into the places that God has, but we don't get to faith by trusting in who we are and our own strength and our own wisdom, but rather trusting in, the, in God by because He is Lord, then we're not in control. That's a great feeling. You have to do, you have to do what He says. All right. You feed yourself on faith. Make a commitment to faith. Make a commitment to faith, all right? And make sure the faith that you're listening to lines up with the word. <laughs> oh, okay. That's another sermon on another day. All right, let's go. All right, I'm happy. Fellowship is our next commitment. Fellowship. All right. How much time? All right, not very long. Dang, worship team went too long. All right. <laughs> I love you guys so much. I do. I do. I do. I do. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, you, why did, what, huh? Why am I here? I'm goofy. Fellowship. All right, here we go. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. This is, 
This is the old go-to when we hear this, but I let's, let's look at this again carefully. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, first and foremost, you get a good gold star because you're here. <laughs> all right, good job. <laughs> you guys can all check that box <laughs> for the win. But here is what Jesus, here's what the word of God is telling us, okay? What's the purpose of fellowshipping together? Because it's unhealthy to build a, con, uh, a manipulative um, perspective on coming to church. Some of you grew up in that and, and it's messed you up. <laughs> All right? Like you're like, oh, I hate going to church. I was told I had to go to church. I was that guy. And we had four hour long services. Ooh. Right? I snuck out. All right. That's not the purpose of this. This is not what this scripture is saying. The scripture is saying something else. It's saying, listen, the purpose of meeting together is understanding the significance of how encouragement works in the body. Because when you come here, you should be encouraged. That you should be encouraging somebody, and you should be being encouraged by somebody. That we should be spurring each other onto good deeds, onto the works, onto the calling that we've been given, onto these things that God has has pushed us toward, that we should be provoking one another, encouraging one another, go for it, come on, it's all right, don't give your, pick your head up, don't, don't, don't let life get you down, praying for one another, building each other up, so if this is the purpose of fellowship, let's talk about how this happens, and why we need to make a commitment to this, and can I, again, just very important, because here's the thing, again, just I love you guys so much. Please hear me on this. This is, this is not easy for me to say, but I want to say this. Is that I'm not telling you you have to be at church every week. Once a month does not cut the mustard. And not because of me, obviously. But because of the purpose that God has given the local church. And we have, to t- we have to look at this foundation and trust this foundation that God's building. And so here's the purpose of that. In Ephesians 3, 4 through 8, I'm going dig, to dig up Ephesians 3 for just a little bit. In verse 4 it says this, this is, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given when Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Drop down to verse 11 in Ephesians. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become every, in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's a lot here to break down because this is the purpose of the church. This is why 
Commitment to fellowship matters. Commitment to, and I want to tell you this, just in full disclosure, if you don't like this fellowship, that's okay. We love you, but we will help you find a fellowship that you fit into and you love. But it's important that you are in the fellowship or the gathering of church regularly. Because this is what it does. As a First and foremost, God tells us this, that there is one body and one spirit. That there are no lone rangers. That there are no isolated. You can't get fed watching TV. You can't get solely fed watching, a, a listening to a podcast and forego the assembling of the saints together. You cannot do it. It is biblically impossible. That's the first thing that God says here. But then he goes on and says this. Now, this is the significance of the body is that Jesus gave grace, which is the Greek word charismo, right? Which means this is that there's a, a, a gift. This grace is a gift that he has given each one of you and each one of you is significant. You've ever done a puzzle and you missed a few pieces. You don't realize how important three pieces out of a 10,000 part puzzle are. Am I right? You want to break a table when them three pieces are gone, right? You're like, what? And the one person is like, you can see most of it. Don't worry, Dad. (laughs) So you're important. And a lot of times, one of the ways the enemy lies to us is this, is to say, I'm not, you're not significant. You're not really doing anything. You don't really have a purpose, blah, 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 all that. And that's nonsense because it defies, again, biblically, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because what Ephesians 3 tells us here is this, Ephesians tells us is that when Jesus rose again, that in him, we are seated in him. This is, a, this is a beautiful theological truth here, that we are in him, one body. We're not multiple bodies, right? We are the church of Jesus Christ, right? Bam. Inside of him, each one of us exists, and we have been given a grace gift, each one of us, and the purpose of that grace gift is to be equipped, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why the fivefold ministry exists, so that when that empowerment comes, you begin to do what God's called you to do, and you feed the people around you until we all grow up into the maturity of Jesus Christ, where the enemy has no tactic to come against you. So let me ask you a question. If this provides for us the security not to be blown over by the, either the plans of the enemy or the distresses of the world, then why don't we fellowship? If it's God's plan, there would be nothing more significant in our lives If we understood this truth. Because who you are is important. It's important to me. And who you are is important to the person on the left and the right of you. Because you will not grow to what God has called you to grow without them. (laughs) I would not have gotten to Romania without some folks in this church. And Romania would not have gotten blessed Without you guys. Now you tell me how that makes sense. Except for when Jesus rose from the grave. 
And he ascended and he put us into the whole body. He knows exactly what the body knows and needs. And when the body fellowships together, he's able to take and say, hey, Romania needs this. So I'll take a church in Port Natchez, Texas, and I'll supply what Romania needs because they're in me. Now, if that doesn't get you excited, I'm going to pull off a chair and throw it. Come on. We've got to make a commitment to this. And so when God goes back, let's go back to the Old Testament for just a second. Not three minutes. No, no, no. When he says, listen, don't forsake the Sabbath. He's not going, I get one. I get one. You're filtering it through, you're filtering it through the lens of the old covenant. You need to come into the new covenant and say, that Sabbath created something that was way more powerful than just a day off, friends. Because your Sabbath, listen, your lordship of, of God is every day. Jesus is the Lord. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My life is not my own. So you are celebrating the lordship every day in your life. But the gathering together of the saints is significant because it builds you up. <laughs> oh, all right, let's go. Last one, love. Love, love, love. Love. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. So Jesus said this after his uh, after love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And Justin, come on up. He said, Justin, come on up. That's literally what he said. Matthew 22. Justin, come on up. He says uh, in verse 39 and 40. And Jesus asked, what, the, what is the greatest commandment? And he just like. Drops the mic. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He picks the mic back up and says, I'm not done yet. <laughs> he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Because here's what I'm going to tell you, that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's a big statement. That deserves a series. So love, how we love is very significant. How we love. Let me give you a, a couple more. If Jesus says the significance of love is measured, how we love people is measured in the same light, holds the same authority as how we love God, then the two are not separated. But it is impossible to love God and not love people. I'm going to show you. Let me give you one more encouragement here in 1 Peter 4.8. This is what Peter writes. He says, above all. Now, Peter is writing to a distressed, displaced church that is undergoing persecution. So this statement begins to take on a larger impact when we understand the context here just a little bit more. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. Mm. Now, here's the thing, is that you can't love others until the love of God fills your life. You can't love others until the love of God fills your life. And so here is what has to happen. 
is that we have to allow the love of God to begin to heal us, to make us whole. Because one of the quickest ways to understand where your foundation level is at is through the way you love, through the way you react. And one thing that's very significant here in 1 Peter 4, 8 is this, is that sometimes we say we love, but our love is used as a weapon. But what the scripture tells us is this, is that when we love like Jesus loves, it has the ability to introduce grace and cover a multitude of sins. But that scripture is not saying that it forgets wrongdoings. What that scripture is saying is that it comes through the lens of the grace by which we have been loved. And that becomes a perception in which we love. Let me, let me give this to you in just a little bit more detail in 1 John. We're going to close with this, 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into this world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It's huge. Now here is what John is saying about love and where we need to take the inventory checklist of love in our life to see how the love of God is working inside of us. Love comes from God and is born of God. Are we loving the way that God has loved us. And John goes in and he explains this exactly what he means. He goes and he says, this is how God showed his love among us. That he sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. And this particular verse carries deep impact on the way that we see what the love we are supposed to carry looks like. He says, not that we love God, but we but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is what John is saying. Is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were God's enemies and we were haters of God, God loved us. And he showed it by sending himself in Jesus Christ. What does that say about love? It says this. That the condition of our love has to be measured against the way that Jesus loved us. And if we need help in this area, and we all do because I want to say this about me, maybe not you, but if I fail in any of these areas, and I do, I do from time to time, I fail the most right here. And my prayer, and I pray that your prayer is the same, is that I pray, God, would you give me understanding and help my heart see the love by which you love me. Because if the scripture says this. That if my love is a testimony of the lordship of you in my life Jesus. And I don't have the power to love in my own ability. Then I have to rely upon grace. And can I say this as good news to every one of you. Is that you can't make Jesus the Lord in your own strength. 
You have to fall upon the grace and say, there are things that are difficult for me to give up, but I need your grace. God, would you help me? Would you help me? I need your grace to walk through my life by faith because what I see does not line up with what you say. Would you give me the grace to see your word and to trust your word and obey your word? Would you give me the grace to step into my gift, to break through and to have courage to do what you said I would do and to live in that grace that you've given me and that gift that you've given me that I might encourage you. And for some of you, you need to pray for the grace to open your mouth Because God has given you an encouraging word to share or a story to tell. And it's time to tell it because it's going to bring life. And you need the grace of God to say, I'm going to take that step because God is what you said, not what I think about myself. And God, would you give us the grace to love? There are people that have wounded you, that have hurt you. But when you see love through the lens of what has been given to you through Jesus Christ, and you apply it by grace, it gives you the hope of being able to love even those who are unlovely. And it is the testimony of the Lordship of Jesus. This we have to make a commitment to. And if anything we do today, in any of these areas, if we need help or a reinspection of our foundation, we say, God, would you anchor my heart to the truth of these? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that your word is truth. God, in every one of us, if we're honest, there's areas we fall short. Lord, I know, oh, God, that there's been areas, even recently, that I've wanted to be in control of my life, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm asking you to forgive me, and I'm asking for your grace. It's not my life, Lord. And I don't want it back. Please be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. God, there have been times in the last few years that I've struggled to see my life, my healing and my future through the lens of faith. God, I ask that you forgive me. That you cleanse me. That you anchor me to your word. Help me to stay planted in your word. God, I thank you. Lord, that this this church... Oh, Lord, that it's the grace that you bestowed upon my life. I don't know why you chose me, but God, I thank you. Because these people are a gift of God to me. Father, I thank you that I always see this church as your blessing. Father, and that I empower these people with your grace to do what they're called to do in you. God, I... I know that I failed in love. I failed in love and loving my family. I failed in love and loving people. I've wrestled and I've fought with people who've hurt me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not loving even the people that did me wrong. And God, I ask that you cleanse my heart and you help me to love. I can't do it in my ability, but only by your grace. Holy Spirit, would you cause me to remember... And to know deeply and understand the revelation of the love that you gave me in Jesus Christ. Of what was forgiven me. What love was given to me. And would you help me to love by that love. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every one of us. 
Now, Holy Spirit, you just inspect the pillar of our commitment. And today, we make an agreement where we make a fresh commitment to you in these areas. Thank you for being the Lord of our life. Thank you for leading and guiding us by faith. Thank you for bringing us into the fellowship of yourself and into this church. Thank you for leading us and causing us to love. And we commit to these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet? I want to do something. I want to thank you guys because, listen, we don't follow a particular liturgy. And there's some weeks that we have ministry at the front and some weeks we don't. Some weeks we might move in the gift of the Spirit. Some weeks we might do communion. This week we're not. I had planned on it, but we're not. But this is what I want to do. Is that if you have a need right where you are, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. Whether it's a physical need, an emotional need. A, 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 it could be even a wound that you need the Lord to heal. Or just a, a relationship. Anything, what it is. Now, Holy Spirit, we're just asking you to, to meet that need. God, we know in your goodness that you love your children. Father, we thank you for your grace upon our lives. So I pray for those who need a physical healing in their body. Holy Spirit, just come and bring your healing touch over them. To that point of that issue, that, that, that disease, that brokenness, that pain in their physical body. We just declare your healing right now. In Jesus' name, over joints, over ligaments. Lord, over illnesses, over high blood pressure, diabetes. We break even the stronghold of cancer in the name of Jesus. I also break the fear of death over these folks in the name of Jesus. Thank you. That's one of the gifts of your Lordship that we trust you. And God, I just pray for those with any kind of emotional wound or any kind of baggage that they're holding on to, God. Now, Holy Spirit, you just break that in your great love. And that you come in and you heal the wounds that words have brought, that actions have brought, the things that they feel victimized and, and hurt by. That you come in, Holy Spirit, and you heal those wounds. Father, I also declare hope for future that there's folks here that are standing in a place where they don't know the next move to take. And now... Lord, I thank you, Father, for Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And God, that we're making an active decision not to trust in our own understanding. But we're going to acknowledge you as the Lord of our life. And we're going to trust you that you're in control. So I thank you for ears to hear and hearts to receive, to, to hear your voice. That even in surprising ways, Lord, that the voice of encouragement would ring loud. And that the voice of discouragement would be silenced in Jesus' name. And that you would begin to order and direct our steps. And we thank you for that, Lord. Every need, Lord, we lay before you because you are our sufficiency. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if the 50-plus group's going to do something fun or they're brave enough to join us at the pool. I don't know. The challenge is on. It's on you guys. Uh, but we love you guys. We'll see you Wednesday or next Sunday. Have a great week.